I love food, man. Is this an apple? No, this isn't an apple. This is a caramel apple mini cake. This is the best form of an apple, the cake kind. <laughs> Amen. Well, man, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed and thoroughly surprised. I had no idea it was going to go down like that. So thank you guys so much. Okay. It's cool. I'll just do it like this for now. Awesome. That's cool, man. Wonderful. It's awesome. Praise God. Amen. That's right. Is it hot or is it just me? Oh, can we turn? Praise God. All I need is like two or three amens, man. I'm all, yeah, I'm always just baking, so. It's a. Uh, Amen. Praise God. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, cool. All right, well, let's go to First John, y'all. Oh, I'm not on. Am I on? Okay, no, he's gonna he's turning me up slowly. So, okay, cool. And I need a water too. I don't know why I don't know why I didn't get any water. I always try to get a water, and I get distracted talking to people on my way back. So, anyway, so awesome. Thank you. I'm just so grateful. Amen. Such an honor to be honored. And to be celebrated. Feels good to be liked, amen. It's nice to be around people that like you, you know what I'm saying? Because we all have people that don't like us, don't we? <laughs> so, so when we get around people that love us and like us, it feels good, amen. Amen, thank you. It's awesome. Um, well, you know, we, we've, been, we've been taking a fresh look at faith. And um, we've been really um, diving into it. And, and realizing that... Um, all, all of your confidence in God comes from what Jesus has done for you. And when we honor the finished work of the cross by trusting that it was a success, then we're going to have a, a boundless faith towards God. And, and it's, it's so key and it's so important and you got to keep hearing it. And um, that's why I keep preaching it because <clears throat> I want your heart to get established in it so that you can be confident on the way that God feels about you and on the fact that God hears your prayers. How many know the cross is a success? Right? And how many know there, there, there's not anybody in this room that's any better than anybody else? Can I get an amen on that? It's really important to understand that because uh, we, we've had a lot of the other in Christianity, and it's just not true. There's nobody in here that has more of a right to God than anybody else. There's no one in here that's more right with God than somebody else. How many know your rightness with God is a person, not an action? And so Jesus has made you right with God, and he was successful, and all your sin has been paid in full. All your past sin, your present sin, and even your future sin has been paid in full. And when you become born again, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so your relationship with God is a relationship based upon his favor, based upon the fact that you're right with him, and so when you pray, you pray as a person that's right with God. <clears throat> when you worship, you worship as a person that's right with God. Like Logan was sharing earlier, when you take communion, you take communion as a person that's remembering the success of the blood. And so the foundation of all of your faith is not your obedience. It is not your perfect life. The foundation of all of your faith is Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Can I get an Amen. And if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As you get established in that reality, you're going to be your, the expression of your faith is going to get stronger and stronger 
because you're going to find out that you don't have the ability to disqualify yourself from God's favor. God's favor towards you is going to be constant because God's favor towards you is based upon the fact that you're in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that your behavior does not have ramifications. How many know if you do dumb stuff, you get dumb results? How many know sin kills? How many know it kills relationships, it kills finances, it kills health? It's a, it's a death bringer. Never, never get it twisted. You sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. You do dumb stuff, you get dumb results. But your dumb stuff is not greater than what Jesus did for you. Your mistakes are not greater than what Jesus has done for you. When you, when you, when you, when you reach the end of your course and you get to heaven, it's not going to be if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It's going to be, did you believe in the Son of God? Did you believe that He died for your sins? Did you believe that He was raised again from the dead? How many of you, know you are saved by faith? You're made right with God by faith. And so it's so important to get that established, not just in your head, but in your heart. Amen? Um, I know now today I'm more confident in my rightness with God 23 years later than I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, because it's human nature to place your right standing and very much religion, religion teaches this, all religious teach this, is that your right standing with God is based upon your conduct and based upon what you do, and it's not. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God, and you have a right to everything that God has for you, period. All of your faith comes from that. You know, so in times past, we tried to have faith for things. We, had to try, we tried to have faith for healing. We tried to have faith for um, all, everything, right? But, but when, you, when you read about the faith in the Bible, it's not faith for things. It's not even faith for healing. It's faith in Jesus, it's all about Jesus Christ. This whole thing is about Jesus. And so when you read about the faith, you're, gonna, you're reading about the righteousness of faith. Amen. It's so important to understand that. And, 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 and all religions and a good portion of Christianity tries to teach you to establish your righteousness through your own works. And that doesn't work. That actually will destroy faith. And that's carnal. And um, it, it will lead you uh, down a path that you don't want to be on. And so... We found out that uh, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our, our faith. And, uh, and anytime you see faith, you can, you can plug in there faith righteousness. Because anytime it's talking about the faith, it's talking about your faith in Jesus. So God has called us to overcome. Can I get an amen? We're not supposed to be doormats. We're not supposed to be punching bags. We're called to overcome. And there are times when the, when the victory is immediate, and there are times when you go through the storm. Can I get an oh me? But, but, but what the faith does is if I know that I'm right with God because of what Jesus does, then I can trust God even in the storm. I can trust God even when I don't understand everything that's going on. I can trust God. Why, why can I trust God? Because he died for me and he made me right with him. So I don't ever have to stop and look at myself to determine whether God likes me or loves me or is going to answer my prayer. I should, the blood is always on trial when you're on trial. It's never your behavior that's on trial. And the enemy wants to work. The name of the enemy is uh, Diablo, which means a hurler of accusation. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's trying to get. To, he's trying to work overtime to get you looking to you, trying to determine what you deserve from God. Nobody in this room deserves anything from God. No one in this room has earned anything from God. You never earn anything from God. It's too expensive. 
You don't have the ability to earn anything from God, okay? But God has given you everything for free through Jesus. Jesus is the one. Jesus' perfect obedience has been set to your account. And, and our absolute failure was set to His account on the cross. He that knew no sin became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. And so the weak link has been removed, us. And now this is actually a, a this new covenant is a covenant between Father God and Jesus. And now we are in Christ Jesus. So there's no error for failure. God will always be faithful to you. He will always answer your prayer. The only thing that can happen is you cannot believe it. And if you don't have confidence in it, then it will allow the enemy to bring in a sense of condemnation and a sense of unworthiness. I have spent a good portion of my life feeling unworthy. I spent a good portion of my life feeling like I wasn't as good as other people. I grew up in poverty. I grew up with mental illness on both sides of the family. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was a drug addict. I was abused as a child. Um, I, 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 we, we were the weird people. We were the poor people. We were the broke people. We were the nobodies. And that's the way I was, that's, that was my life. And so I turned to drugs, I turned to alcohol, I turned to partying to try to give, to have some form of justification for myself because it was something that was accepted and celebrated. So I was the party guy and I hid behind that facade. But so I've lived a good portion of my life with that sense of unworthiness. But then when I came to the Lord, the Lord through this message of the gospel and his love and his grace and his gift of righteousness has stripped that unworthiness out of me. I don't feel that way anymore. I'm not unworthy anymore. But, and, and my worth is not based on me and what I do. My worth is based on Jesus Christ. And so now when I know that I have a right and I know that I am now worthy, I now have a confidence. But here's the thing. I also know that I'm not any better than anybody else. Can I get an amen? So the confidence that arises out of me does not push other people down. It lifts other people up because we're all only worthy because of Jesus. And so it'd be, it, then it'd be, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And so there's a faith that God wants in your life so that you can trust Him through the storm. And then so even at times you can see immediate results like miracles and signs and wonders. Can I get an amen? amen. Where God wants to do amazing things for you. And so, um, but all of that faith comes from the fact that you're right with God. And so the gospel is always bringing you back to a place to, of causing faith to arise in your hearts. Because everybody in here, we all need to detach our worthiness and our value and our rightness from anything that has anything to do with ourselves and plug it entirely in Jesus Christ. And that is leaving the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and stepping into the tree of life. Amen? And so, um, and so we find out that faith comes from Jesus. But here's something else cool. Grace comes from Jesus as well. It actually all comes from Jesus. The faith comes from Jesus, the grace comes from Jesus, and even the Spirit of God comes from Jesus. And so last week we were looking how He is that rock. And so we'll look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Moreover, brethren, I, I, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so everything comes from Him. And this is talking about the children of Israel. When they came out of the land of Egypt, they had nothing to drink. 
They were thirsty. God spoke to Moses says, take your rod, hit the rock, and then out of the rock, the water is going to flow. And Paul reveals to us that's a typology of Jesus Christ. How many of you know when Moses hit that rock, it was a typology of Jesus being crucified? Yeah. Right? And because the law hit the rock. How many of you know Jesus took the law on the cross? He fulfilled the law on the cross. But then they were thirsty again, and God told Moses to speak to the rock. And he didn't. He hit the rock. And because he hit the rock again, rather than speaking to the rock, he was not allowed to come into the promised land because he destroyed the typology. Because how many know Jesus only has to be crucified one time? He does not have to be crucified again. After the Lord has been crucified, how many know that you don't ascend to bring Jesus down and you don't descend to bring Jesus up? It's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. The word is near us and in our mouth. That is the word of faith which we, which we preach. How many know it is the name of Jesus that saves you? Like Logan was sharing earlier, we just say the name of our God and he saves Jesus and he saves us. And so legalism is always trying to overdo what Jesus did. You can't do anything to establish your righteousness more than what Jesus did. And so now, this rock that we drink out of, how many know we don't have to smite it? We don't have to do anything. We just got to speak. What do you say? You say what God has said about you. You say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I regularly have people call me, men who, who are struggling with pornography, because people know that I've been set free from pornography. And I share it all the time on the radio. Uh, people need, how many know people need to be set free from pornography? Can I get an amen? It's evil, right? And there's freedom from it. And, and, what I'm in, and, and, and I have people call me, and had somebody call me the other day, and I've been walking him through this thing. And I need him to say what God has said about him. Not what he thinks, not what anybody else thinks. I mean, you know, he's the son of God, and God wants him to say out of his mouth, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Before it happens, during it happens, and after it happens. If you can identify with who you are and make that stronger than what you're going through, that sin will fall off your life, and you'll get set free because you'll identify with who you are. You're saying, while it happens, yeah. Can you speak? While you sin, you can. I dare you to honor the work of the cross above your failure. And for somebody else in here, it might not be pornography. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's doubt, fear, unbelief, whatever. But if you will honor what Jesus has done, how do you do that, Jeremiah? You speak to the rock. What do you say? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You keep saying it and saying it and saying it, and I'm telling you, you'll lose a desire for that sin and failure. It'll fall off of your life. You won't want to do it anymore. I'm proof. I'm free from all that stuff, but it's not because of my willpower. It's because it's not who I am. See, the sin and the shame always try to convince you, this is who you are. Look at you. You're no good. You're dirty. You're bad. You, 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 you. No, you speak to the rock. Say what God says about you. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Jeremiah, you're just giving people a license to sin. That's not in the book. The book says, the book says, 
that an abundance of grace will set you free from the dominion of sin. Condemnation will keep you in the midst of sin. So as I ministered to this guy, I was like, we're not concerned about the action, my friend. We're concerned about the condemnation that's killing you, the shame that's killing you. Let's attack the condemnation, and when we get rid of the condemnation, that sin will fall off of your life, and you won't want it anymore. Because it's the condemnation that locks you into the cycle of failure, shame, and, and, and deceit, and all of those things. Because when you awake to righteousness and you wake up to who you are, you sin not. It's amazing. It works. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it. If you have an area where you're struggling, say what God has said about you before, during, and after. Keep doing it. Just keep doing it. You know what's going to happen? Your identity is going to be solidly placed in Jesus and that rock that gushes out the life-giving water of grace and faith will set you free because you'll wake up to who you are and you won't want it no more. I promise you. But, but what man-made religion has done is we just need people, make people feel guilty, make them feel bad. We need to tell them what they're doing is bad, horrible, wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. Everybody, you know, you don't need somebody else to tell you it's wrong. And there are some people that might need to hear that it's wrong. I mean, for real. I was one of those people. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't even know what right and wrong hardly was. But once you recognize that it's wrong, then the, the grace of God, as you confess Jesus and speak to the wrong, is going to set you free from staying there. It works, man. And this guy, I'm going to walk, this guy's going to get free. And it's going to be awesome. I'm hyped about it. So Romans chapter 5. And so faith and grace work together very, very closely, okay? Um, it's so important to understand that. And, and faith comes from Jesus and grace comes from Jesus as well. You know, if I reach my hand out to Jonathan and let's say he's on the ground and I'm, I'm looking to help him and this is grace and then this is faith, he just takes what's available to him. Can I get an amen? amen. Very simple. And the reality is grace is always present to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, even more than the oxygen you breathe. How many know there's an abundance of oxygen in this room and that's what's keeping you alive? Do you know there's more grace in this room than there is oxygen? And grace is God's ability upon your ability to help you walk like Jesus. And it's for free, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it. But faith and grace have a relationship. Jesus is always stretching his hand out towards you to help you in whatever area of failure that you have in your life. See, because you don't have to be strong to win in Christ. In fact, if you're weak, it'll help you out a little bit because you won't be trusting in your own strength. Whatever you're facing and you can't do in your own strength, just say, Lord, I can't do this, but I know you can. That's where grace happens. It's where it happens. It's, it's, it's humility and an admission that we can't save ourselves. But grace and faith work together just like a helping hand, just an outstretched hand of help, right? Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So faith and grace work together. This concept of them being against each other is stupid. It's not biblical. Don't embrace it. There's no such thing as faith people, and, and then there's grace people, and all, no, we're believers. We're Jesus people. Can you get an amen? amen. And we just got to tear down those middle partitions. The enemy always tries to pigeonhole us in some type of thing, and we just can't have that. And so um, in John chapter 1, and I'm going quickly here because we got some places to go. I really want to take us deeper into these truths. But John 1 and verse 16, it makes this interesting statement about Jesus. It says, of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace... 
For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so Moses came bringing truth. He bring, bring the concepts of morality, the concepts of right and wrong. And how many know we need that? We do, man. We need concepts of morality and right and wrong in the society that we're currently living in. How many know the enemy's trying to say wrong is right and right is wrong? So we, we never want to take the law and, and, just, and, and say that it's bad or it's evil or anything like that. No, no, no. The law is wonderful and beautiful and good. It just can't save you. It just can't make you righteous. All it can do is show you God's standard of rightness. And how I many know all the law is is signposts on what love looks like? Love looks like not committing adultery. Love looks like not stealing. Love looks like not, not murdering, right? Very simple. So the law is good, but the law does not give you any ability to fulfill it. It only shows you what you should be doing. It's like a mirror. It's a mirror that shows you your face is dirty. It won't clean you. It'll just say you're dirty. That's important, but the law is your schoolmaster to take you by the hand and lead you to the one who can clean your face, lead you to the one who can save you. Can I get an amen? Amen. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus who actually saves us, but the law will not lift one finger to help you, ever. It's not supposed to. Jesus is the one that helps you. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And you have to understand, grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor. God has shed His grace out all over the planet. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just receive it like the outstretched helping hand. But it does not stay there. Grace comes into your heart. It is the divine influence upon the heart and then the reflection in the life. Grace is God's ability to do what you can't do. I could not get set free from drugs without grace. I could not get set free from alcoholism. I could not get set free from immorality. I could not get set free from lying and cheating and stealing and all the darkness that I was in. But God's grace came on me and I'm a free man. And I'm not a free man in my own strength. So I'm not cocky or arrogant. I know I was a man who's rescued. I'm simply a rescued man. So I testify on his ability and not my own. But so Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Jesus had truth to let people know this is the way, walk you in it. And then he had his grace and his ability to help them do it. Can they get an amen? Amen. Mary Magdalene knew what she was doing was wrong. But when she met Jesus, Jesus gave her the power to do what was right. Can they get an amen? amen? And so this grace comes from Jesus. This faith comes from Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. It says, for by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive. Everybody say receive. receive. See, Christianity is not performing, it's not achieving, it is receiving. Those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. So, once again, the righteousness of faith has a tremendous amount of impact on you receiving grace. Just like faith does. Remember how we learned that when you start trying to establish your own righteousness, you actually void faith. Let's talk about that for just a second. When you are trying to establish your own right to receive from God, you're not receiving a gift, you're earning a wage. It's not a promise. It's a wage that's earned. Well, God, I'll never do this if you do this. Well, God, I'll stop doing this if you do this. 
Those are side covenants. No, no, no. Be satisfied with Jesus, and God will do everything for you because of Jesus. Can I get an amen here? Gosh, I need you to understand this. Because you, the second that you try to establish your own righteousness, you don't have faith anymore. You're in works. And you are trying to work for somebody who wants to be your dad. And, 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 and it tries to come in a million different ways. Sneaky little things. Little tiny things. Everybody in here, the enemy has some level of legalism that he's trying to bring you into. Certain things that you do to make, you, make yourself feel like you're worthy to receive from God. And you have to unhook yourself from anything that you can produce to make you feel like you're worthy to receive from God because Jesus is the one that made you worthy to receive from God, not you. Can I get an amen? And so faith flows out of faith righteousness, okay? But also grace flows out of faith righteousness. In order for grace to flow properly, your righteousness has got to be a faith righteousness. Drop down to verse 21 and we can take a look at it here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, So that as, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is not just talking about the afterlife. Eternal life is perpetual life. How many of you can experience eternal life right now? God wants you to experience life. Life is awesome. Life is God's spirit and God's love and knowing Him. Death is sickness and disease and sin and temptation and all of those things. And so the experience of life is life as God has it. It's the Zoe life. But grace reigns through righteousness. Now check this out. I need a drink, but this is a great opportunity. How many you know if I started trying to drink the water bottle from this side, everybody's going to think I'm weird, right? And I'm going to be unsuccessful because the water does not flow out of the side. The water comes out of the top. Grace reigns through the righteousness of faith. Imagine a hose. Anybody ever had a water hose before and you kinked it and the water couldn't flow? When your righteousness gets in self-righteousness in either direction, grace stops flowing in your life. What are the different types of self-righteousness? Self-righteousness in the sense that you're trying to establish your own righteousness and you think you're better than other people and you think you have more of a right to God to, to receive than other... You have more of a right to God than other people do. How many of people get into dead works and think they're better than other people? That's self-righteousness. Grace will not flow in that and you will only have your own ability. And you will actually only bring glory to yourself because you're only caught up in what you do. And all you do is talk about what you do. You don't talk about Jesus, you talk about what you do. There's no grace in that. You're establishing <clears throat> your own righteousness. <clears throat> You're in self-righteousness and pride, and it's not going to be long until you fall. And when you fall, hopefully you'll take it under yourself and be humble. But many people in self-righteousness that fall, they just hide behind a pointed finger and they point out what's wrong in everybody else's life so they can hide from their own flesh. The other kink... In, in the hose is when you feel like you're unworthy and you feel like you're not good enough. I think probably more of us fall into that category. And you start thinking, well, I did this and I did that and you know, I, I, I can't receive because you know, I drank this or I said that or I smoked this or I, 
or I looked at this, or, or, I, or I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have got mad, or whatever, and you start falling into condemnation. How I many of you know that it's self-righteous to think that you establish your own right standing before God? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? If you're entertaining condemnation and you feel like God's mad at you or against you or going to hold your sin against you, you are in New Testament disobedience and you're in unbelief concerning the success of the cross. And the hose is kinked and grace can't flow because you're in self-righteousness. See, God is more concerned about your obedience of faith than He is your obedience of conduct. It's the truth. God is more concerned that you believe that Jesus did a good job than that you did a good job. Because if, I, if, if we can get your believing right, your behavior will just line up. You know why I'm free from drugs? I'm not a drug addict. I'm a son of God. And I was the son of God before I was free from drugs. But when I, when I woke up to the fact that I was the son of God, in that area, then the drugs just fell off. But I was free in here before I was free out here. See, I'm not trying to polish your outside. Your outside will always just be a reflection of what's in your heart. And the gospel comes in and says, and grabs your heart, and says, do you believe Jesus was enough? Do you believe that he was a success? Follow me. Because when we enter into condemnation, we're rejecting Christ. And we're embracing our own self-righteousness, which is his filthy rags, and we will frustrate the flow of grace in our life. Do you see how this is the biggest deal in the world? God simplified this for us. We get faith from Jesus in his finished work. We get grace from Jesus in his finished work. Grace reigns through righteousness. And so we've got to make sure our righteousness is in a healthy place of trusting in Jesus and not ourselves. And you know what will happen? Your actions will line up. Because grace, because when grace is flowing to you, it's easy to resist sin. When grace is flowing to you, it's easy to have the fruit of the Spirit. It's easy to have love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness because you are simply a branch that's connected to the life source of the vine. The vine has all the strength. We don't actually do anything. Our only part is to believe and to carefully weed out any other place that we've trusted in when we're trying to establish our own righteousness. And have him to, to be our righteousness. So in order to keep the hose in the center, we got to keep our attention and our focus on Jesus. Who made you right with God? Jesus did. Right? Who keeps you right with God? Jesus. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. The reason you're right with God is you're a new creation. You're a new creature. You don't have a sin nature. Your sin nature has been removed. You, deal, you still deal with the carnal mind. You still deal with the flesh. How many, of there, how many of when you get to heaven and you get the fullness of your redemption and you get your brand new body and, and, and all of that and your mind is renewed, how many of you know sin will never be an issue for you ever again? It will never be attractive to you because you will have the fullness of redemption. 
But right now, your spirit is perfectly righteous and perfectly born again, but we still deal with something called the carnal mind. And, and, and if we get a chance to look at it, you know what turns the carnal mind on, what clicks the switch on? You trying to establish your own right standing with God. It's the biggest deal in the world we're going to look at in Romans today. When you try to establish your own right standing with God, there's no grace, and you're back in your own ability, and it won't be long until sin is dominating your life. Whatever area it looks like. Everybody in here has an area of weakness. Everybody, it may be di- it'd be, it's different for everybody. everybody. But there's an area of weakness. And when you turn the, the grace off, when you turn God's ability off, and you're left in your own strength and you're in the carnal mind, it's just a matter of time when you don't look like Jesus. You look like the person you used to be. But just because there's an echo of carnality in your mind doesn't change your nature. Isn't that the best news in the world? Just because you fail, just because you've fallen short, just because your hose is kinked and there ain't no grace flowing, you're still a branch. You're still a son of God. You're still a daughter of God. Can I get an amen? amen. We just got to unkink your hose and get the grace flowing back again. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, let's turn to Galatians chapter 2, please. Can we turn the AC down a little bit more? Pretty please. Being a diva up here this morning. I'm up here sweating. That's what I get for wearing a long sleeve. I should just wear a t-shirt in the depth of winter because, no, I believe you. It was. Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 21, it's just a, this is a very powerful scripture that just really nails this truth to the wall. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I don't frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through my behavior, how many of the law is talking about your behavior, your conduct? Right? If righteousness comes through your conduct, then Jesus died for nothing. And and, and if you look at it in in the King James Version, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God. When we try to establish our own right standing with God, we cut ourselves off from grace. So don't you think if you were the devil, that would be the primary thing you would try to get Christians to do? Try to establish their own right standing. And you know there are so many Christian fellowships, they're not based around faith in the work of the cross, they're based around what they do. Well, you need to act right, you need to do more, you need to give more, you need to come to church more. You need to, you need to, you need to, you need to. And then you get all these wonderful people out here trying to serve God and trying to do right and trying to do all these things, but they're actually in unbelief and they're in dead works trying to establish their own righteousness and they don't have any grace. And they're mean. They're mean people. They're the, they're the meanest people on earth. There ain't nobody meaner than a self-righteous Christian. I have met drug addicts and drunkards way cooler than self-righteous Christians. They are the meanest people on earth. Why? Because they are trying to do what Jesus already did. And they have no grace. They only have their ability. And the only way they survive is they spend all their days accusing everybody else of sin. And they are literally the most miserable group of people in the world. God loved them. They are ignorant of God's righteousness and they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And they're zealous and they're passionate.
But all they're focused on is themselves and trying to save their own butts and trying their hardest to get into heaven by doing all that they can do. But here's the thing. They're taught to do that by people who were taught to do that. By people who were taught to do that. By people who were taught to do that. And so I don't blame the people, but it is, and this is, I'm going to say something strong here. It is a doctrine of the devil to think that you can make yourself right with God through what you do. Because it is the one thing that will cut you off from God's ability. It will void your faith. It will remove grace out of your life. And you become the hero of your story. It becomes all about you. And when you do good, you think you're better than other people and you're self-righteous and you're like that. And when you do bad, you're depressed. And your Christianity is a roller coaster all based upon you. Do well, I'm better than everybody. Oh, I'm so awful. Do well, I'm better than everybody. Oh, I'm so awful. And people in the world look at you like, them people are crazy. (laughs) They're like, man, we ain't trying to do that. And I don't blame them. I was an atheist for 19 years and I feel like it was Christians that kept me that way. I was like, man, if i got to be like y'all to get to heaven, I ain't going. And, but the reality is, is the enemy has always tried to steal the gospel. He's always tried to remove Jesus from the church and make it man-centered. And, and so, praise God. <laughs> that's where we're at. But, I mean, you know, that's changing. And there's, and there's a rediscovery of the gospel. And, and I tell you, one of the ways that you can do your part is to get established in this yourself. Because as we as a body of believers, as we get established in this, and we are, but the stronger we individually get into this, the whole atmosphere of the church changes. And what happens is we enter into more and more freedom and more and more liberty and more and more joy and laughter and faith and grace. And when we come together, we come together as a clean people. We come together as a righteous people. And what happens is we start to display the glorious liberty of the sons and daughters of God. And love is flowing amongst us because we're not competing with each other. We're not trying to outdo each other. No one thinks they're any better than anybody else. And we all honor each other and love each other and wash each other's feet and help each other. Not just everybody honoring the pastor. Can I get an amen? And we treat each other because no one in here is less a part of the body of Christ than somebody else. We are all a part of the body. We all have something to say. We can all learn from each other. We can all honor each other. But it always comes back to that rock, Jesus. And it flown out of Him. But as we get established in it individually, then when somebody comes in and they're dealing with condemnation, how many of you can see condemnation on somebody? When somebody's dealing with condemnation, we can overwhelm that person with acceptance and love. We can remind them who their Savior is. But see... In fellowships where the gospel's not preached, when somebody shows weakness, they're like sharks in a tank with a drop of blood. Oh, so-and-so sinned? Well, tell me about it. Yes, they did. They sinned. They did this. They said that. Oh, well, we've got to tell the pastor. Well, we've got to, We've got to. And the next thing you know, you got everybody biting and devouring a child of God that shouldn't be bitten and devoured, should be lifted up and reminded who they are. But yet because all these people are so insecure and they don't know that they're right with God, what they do is they kick the people that are down to make themselves 
feel better about themselves. And the house of God, rather than it being a family, turns into a sadistic condemnation fest of thrown stones. And yet our God would stand in the midst and say, He that is without sin cast the first stone. Neither do I condemn them. Go their way and sin no more. Jesus is, was, and always will be the ultimate accusation silencer. All stones fall to the ground in His presence. There's nobody in this room that's any better than anybody else. We need Jesus. And so when somebody fails or somebody falls, we rush to them and we help them. Now it's cold in here. I'm sorry, it is cold. Can you turn it back? She's trying to make a point. Look at her. Look at her back there. Look at her. She got her toboggan on and her, and her sweater on, and she's back there giving me puppy dog eyes like, Jeremiah, you're abusing me. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> Amen. I'm sorry. It did get cold. I apologize. There's, there, someday we'll find middle ground. Amen. Someday. But now, I'm not saying someone doing something wrong and declaring that it's right. That's different. Paul addressed that in the Corinthian church. When somebody's doing something wrong and declaring that it's right, then it, has to, it, can be, it may need to be addressed. But as a whole, you're not set free through anything. How many were to know no man according to the flesh? As I see Christ in you, that arises. Amen? And so what we want to do, once again, see, God makes it simple for us. Who's your righteousness? Jesus. As you get established in that, grace and faith will continue to flow in your life. But the enemy's always going to try to put a kink in your hose to get you trusting in yourself. And one of the things God's encouraging you to do is to stop trusting in you. That's what the gospel primarily does. It's not about you. Oh, but it's about me. I'm so bad. No, it's not about you. Oh, it's about me. I'm so good. No, it's not about you. <laughs> Everybody tracking me here. It's not about us at all. We are just the ones that get saved. Amen. Now, let's turn to another passage of Scripture that basically says the same thing. Galatians chapter 5, and in verse 4, how many of the world says falling from grace is sinning? Sinning is not falling from grace. There is no biblical, scriptural representation that, that sin causes you to fall from grace. That's not scriptural. It's not in the book. It sounds cool. But it's not in the book. The reality is, anybody in here, anytime you sin, there's more grace than your sin. There's never a time when you outsin grace. When you sin, God's ability will come over you and lift a hand out to you to say that you're better than that. Let's walk away from this. Every single time. There will never come a time when it's like, oh, this person has outsinned the cross. I know, right? Like, God did a good job. So, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So, you're never going to have a time where God turns His back on you and refuses to help you. You might turn your back on you. And you might turn your back on God because you think He's mad at you. But He ain't mad at you. And He's right there with an outstretched hand of grace. Say, come on. You're better than this. This is not who you are. Come on, let's walk away from this. You're better than this. All the time. It never stops. The grace of God is majestic and powerful and amazing. God is inviting you to let Him live your life. That's what He's inviting you to do. That's what grace is all about. 
God he sets you on autopilot. Instead of flapping your birds, flapping your wings like a chicken, you can soar in the grace of God like an eagle. There's a difference. You felt something on that, didn't you? Eagles. Amen. That's good. It's true, though. How many you know an eagle uses the wind? And how many old chickens all about effort? I'm, I'm just trying so hard. And if you're trying so hard and it's hard on you, let me tell, let me tell you something. You got the wrong yoke. You got the wrong yoke. You're probably trying to establish your own righteousness and don't even realize you're doing it. Jesus' yoke is easy. Jesus' yoke is light. And when you're in grace, it's easy to resist temptation. It's easy to resist sin. It's easy to be who you are. And so if you're struggling, you're probably in some area of your life experiencing some condemnation or trying to establish your own righteousness. And check it out. It's okay because we all do that. Nobody in here is soaring like an eagle seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We have moments of soaring. (laughs) We have moments of other things, right? But And it's okay. Can you get an amen? It's okay. The Lord's here to save you. Yeah. Come on. That's true. We have those moments, man. And what's amazing about it is you can be soaring for a while in a particular area, and then one morning wake up, and you're like this, and you're wigged out, and you're stressed out. You're like, what happened? What happened? And you're out of faith, and you're out of grace, and you've got to come back to the rock again. You know what I'm saying? Just come back to the rock, and then don't feel bad for the mistake that you made. The enemy will condemn you for being condemned. Well, you should have this by now. He's, he's finding any way he can. Listen, remember, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen? And so Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. How do you fall from grace? You try to establish your own right standing with God through your behavior. That's how you fall from grace. I'm not saying your behavior isn't important. Your love walk is very important to God. It's important to God that you receive His love. It's important to God that you love Him back. It's important to God that you love yourself. It's important to God that you love each other. All the law is directing you towards love. It's extremely important to God. But it is not necessary for Him to love you and to save you and to be there for you when you mess everything up. Because you don't earn this and you don't deserve this and you certainly don't establish your own rights. Jesus did it for you. So I'm not saying your behavior is important. Yes, your behavior is important. Your behavior is going to have a tremendous amount of impact on you and those around you. You do dumb stuff, you're going to get dumb results. But check it out. Your dumb results never come from God. God is not punishing you. Don't think sickness, God's punishing me. Don't think an unexpected bill, God is punishing me. All you think, all those things, those are lies. Check it out. Jesus did a good job. And because he did a good job, there's, you are not allowed to pay for your sin. Because God's not going to have Jesus pay for your sin and then you to pick up the little bit left over. Check it out. There's none left over. When he said it was finished, it was. Sin has been taken care of for the entire 
world for all time. Just as sure as Adam failed and drug us all into the mud, mud, Jesus rose and fixed this whole daggone thing. Jesus was successful. So I'm not saying your behavior isn't important, but I'm saying your behavior is not what makes you right with God. And if you think your behavior is what makes you right with God, you're going to fall from grace, your hose is going to be kinked, and you're going to be left in your own ability. And if you're left in your own ability, it's just a matter of time for you to start doing all kinds of stupid stuff. It is. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So now, do you see how important it is to keep your eyes on Jesus? What does keeping your eyes on Jesus mean? Keeping your eyes on Jesus as your righteousness. Is Jesus right with God? Then that means you are right with God. See, you can stop being right with God the moment Jesus stops being right with God. You're allowed to stop being right with God once Jesus stops being right with God. And how many of you know Jesus is never going to not be right with God? Where are you at? In Jesus. And where is he seated? On the right hand of God. And where are you? You're seated in him. God has this beautiful bride that's totally clean and totally righteous and totally holy, and she don't know it. And because she don't know it, she has no faith, she operates in zero grace, and she's walking around like a worm in the earth when he said, I bought you, I paid for you, I want you, you are enough. Look in my eyes, lift up your head, walk worthy of me. I made you worthy. I did a good job. I cleansed you. Will you believe it? Will you believe that I made you righteous? Will you believe that I gave you? When he was piercing his side and, and, and the water and the blood came out, how I many you know we have come out of him? I'm talking about his blood has cleansed. That's why we take communion. We remember. If we can get a hold of this, we can change the world. If we get a hold of this, there will be an, there will, our faith will flow, grace will flow, and will manifest days of heaven on the earth. The kingdom will start to operate in our lives. I want this so bad because nothing, religion is not working. Okay, the darkness is laughing. The darkness uses religion. Condemnation just furthers the enemy's plans. And if we can just get a hold of this, it'll change everything. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, I just want it so bad. (laughs) I want it so bad, man. Do do y'all see how this is honoring Jesus' work? For you to walk around with your shoulders back with a spring in your step with some confidence knowing that you're right with God. That honors the work of the cross. You walking around feeling unworthy and all that, that does not honor the work of the cross. No, man. He loves you. He's for you. But the enemy's always trying to bring, to get us, our eyes off of Jesus and back onto ourselves. The, the, the book of Galatians addresses this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians... Who has bewitched you? How I many? Oh, that's a strong word. But listen, legalism is a casted spell. It's bewitching. See, I've seen people whose eyes were open to this, and they get involved in the influence of legalism, and that veil go right back over them, their faces, and then forget that they're right with God. How I many? Oh, that happened to good people. It happened to Barnabas. He's a good man. It happened to Peter. 
In the book of Galatians, Peter, here's Peter spent three and a half years with Jesus, was the leader of the early church. And here comes the influence of legalism and the fear of man. And Peter withdrew himself from the Gentiles. Barnabas withdrew himself from the Gentiles because they stopped believing that Jesus was, the, was their righteousness. And they started believing they had to go back to establishing their own righteousness. And only one man stood alone and said, y'all are not walking rightly according to the truth. And that was Paul. And Paul stood alone many, many times. He said, all forsook me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And I tell you what, you get a hold of this revelation, there'll be some times when you feel alone. There'll be some times when you feel like you're one. But how many know we ain't as alone as we used to be? Can I get an amen? And there are more of us, and we're growing, and we're learning, and, and there are many ministries that are being established upon the gospel, and I'm so thankful for that. But it says it has a bewitchment. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth. Obedience of faith. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified. Who should not obey the truth. How do you stop obeying the truth? You stop believing that you're right with God. See, they were being drugged back into circumcision. Now, it's okay you believe in Jesus, but you've got to be circumcised to be saved. I mean, we don't deal with that today. But you might, be, you might deal with how long your hair is circumcision of your hair. You might deal with what kind of movies you watch. What type of liberty you partake of. The Bible says let no man judge you. In a new, in a new feast or a new moon or any, any of these rudimentary elements of this world. Taste not, touch not. Folks, external things don't make you right with God. It's not meat and drink. It's Jesus Christ. And the stronger your faith gets, the stronger your liberty gets. Now, as you mature, you will let love rein you in. And you won't use your liberty at the destruction of another man's conscience. As you mature, you'll actually become servant of all. That's the truth. Love will always turn you into one that serves and you'll prefer others before you, and you'll take your liberty, and your liberty will be, will be guided by love. But God wants you to get strong in the fact that He's enough. Amen? And all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. And as you mature, you start to realize, yeah, I can do this, but what type of impact is it going to have on my heart? Yeah, I can do this, but what am I putting on the inside of me? Yeah, I can do I'm still righteous, and I'm the righteousness of God, and I can do this and this and this and this and this. But the longer I live, the more I realize I don't want a bunch of weeds in my garden. I don't want the cares and the affairs of this life choking the word out of my life. I want to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful personally. I want to be fruitful in my marriage. I want to be fruitful with my family. I want fruit. <laughs> I want fruit. And, and if I'm planting weeds... Those weeds and the cares and the affairs of this life and the lust of other things can choke the word and I'll be, right, I'll be the righteousness of God but my fruit will be very meager because I'm placing things in my heart that are not profitable. This is all maturing. It's all maturing and growing up. But all things are lawful to me because I am the righteousness of God. Everybody tracking me here? It's a liberty and it's a freedom but as you grow in this you start to get wise. You say, okay, that's cool but I'm probably not going to do that, probably not going to do that, I probably will do that. And at the end of the day, how many know it's between you and the Lord? Can I get an amen? amen. 
No one has a right to determine your convictions. And it's so sad when preachers get up and they just preach their convictions. So dumb. Preachers should never preach their convictions. Preach the Word. Preach Jesus. But most preachers say, well, I don't watch this and I don't do that. And if you do, you're not going to heaven. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. It's so sad. Shut up, bro. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I love that you have your relationship with God, but let other people have their relationship with God. And you may have liberty to do things that I can't do, and I may have liberty to do things that you can't do. And at the end of the day, it's between us and the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. But people build entire denominations based on the conviction of somebody's heart, not the Word of God. Amen. No, 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 no. You've been made righteous. All things are lawful for you. Enjoy your life. Taste, eat, enjoy. Amen. But if the Lord's like, that's not good for you, then listen to the Lord because he's smart. You know what I'm saying? Like he knows what's up. He knows how you're designed. You know, I have certain types of music I can't listen to. I like the music. I love working out to that type of music. But if I listen to that music too much, it has a bad impact on me. So I can't listen to that music. Other people probably can just fine. Different people are affected by different things. I'm kind of full throttle in whatever I'm doing. So I have to be careful in what I do. No matter what I'm doing, I'm, 100%, I'm either 100% forward or 100% backwards. And so I have to be wise in what I do. You know, like me, me and um, Mickey, we play chess. And we love to play chess and we play chess online. And it's okay for me to play a little bit of chess. But then I start playing chess and I start playing more chess. The next thing you know, I got 15 games going at once. Do y'all think that might be a distraction? Yes, it is. <laughs> And so I'm like, Mickey, I have to take a break. i got to pull back from playing chess. I can play a couple games of chess. And this may be something silly to you guys, but how many know the only thing you have on earth is time? And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll invest your time in things that aren't fruitful. It is, man. You know, it's okay to play a little bit of Candy Crush. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to play a little, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm stepping on toes now, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's okay, you know, but... And, and, and how many of you know it's lawful for me to play chess? It's lawful for Logan to play Candy Crush. It's lawful. <laughs> sorry, bro. Sorry. These things are lawful, but, like, at the end of the day, how many of you know if you, if you take, we just have to be wise. Amen? And we have to, really, we just have to let the Lord lead us. So, all right. That's what's up. Now, a couple more places and we close. So legalism has a bewitchment. I started talking about Candy Crush. I got <laughs> Felt the anointing start to lift. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. All right, let's read this. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth among you? This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the work, received you the Spirit by the works of the righteousness in the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, this is really important for where we're going next week. And we're closing here. It says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So what legalism, now listen to me, this is important. When you read flesh, don't just think sin. When you read flesh, primarily what flesh is, is our ability, our strength, trying to establish our own righteousness. That's extra, that, that is like a key component in actually growing up and bringing forth fruit. So anytime you, you read flesh or in the flesh or carnal mind, think to yourself, works righteousness. 
not trusting in Jesus. Because how many of that Galatian church, they started believing in Jesus. But then a group of probably well-meaning people bewitched them to trust in the circumcision of their foreskin rather than the cross. And they turned their back on Jesus and they actually embraced themselves. Legalism always makes you the Savior. Legalism always puts you in control. And so they started in the Spirit, but then they got over into the flesh, into establishing their own righteousness. And you know what was happening to them? Listen to me. They were being stolen from. They were being stolen from. What happened to them? They lost their faith was in a cracked pot and began to pour out. The second legalism enters in, you lose your faith. You don't have faith anymore. Second you enter into legalism, start trying to establish your own righteousness. You don't have any, you lose your grace. And you know what you're left with? Just you. And I don't know if y'all noticed it, but we ain't we ain't all that, are we? We need a savior. And so, and we're gonna look at that in the days ahead because I don't want the works of the flesh. I don't want my strength. I don't want my ability. How many know we want fruit? I want the fruit. Give me the fruit. Give me the rich, luscious fruit of Jesus' character. Let me be a man that walks in love and peace and joy and kindness and goodness and meekness. Let people see Christ in me. Y'all tracking me here? It's available to all of us. We just can't get our hose kinked. Everybody tracking me here? This thing is not in your ability. If you try to walk in love in your own ability, you will beat yourself up or beat somebody else up or both because you can't do it. God has never asked you to do anything in your own strength. And when we try to do things in our own strength, how many of us are very frustrated? Anybody ever try to walk in love in your own strength? You ever try not to sin in your own strength? Oh, it's awful. You don't last any amount of time. And so, last place and we close. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted, built up in Him, established in the faith. What kind of faith? Faith righteousness. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm thankful and I'm grateful because I'm right with God by faith. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. If people can get you back over into getting you to establish your own right standing with God, and, and, and here's, here's the, the thing about it. It's hot in here again. Can we turn that AC back down? God, just hit a middle ground. Come on, guys. Just praise God. We don't have to be negative 10 or, or, or plus 85. They just, just kidding. Amen. I'm, I think I am. I think I am. I, I am, I am. It's all that pumpkin spice, man. And finally, it's like, oh, you know, I know, right? Yeah. Men o pies. Amen. That's funny. Praise God. Yeah, amen. But don't, don't let any, and, and here's the challenge is, 
a lot of these people that are wrapped up in legalism, they're not bad people. A lot of times they're actually great people. They just don't know God in truth. But you can't allow them to take away your liberty in Christ. And you've got to hold fast to Jesus. And so I encourage you, and once again, this is not a head knowledge, get good at this. Become skilled at this. Because all of your Christianity really is based upon the fact that Jesus is your righteousness. Your faith comes from it. Your grace comes from it. And then as we move forward in this, we're going to find out even the outpouring of the Spirit comes from it. All of it is, it always comes back to the rock. It always comes back to Jesus, which is cool because it makes it simple. Amen? Um, so, yeah. Cool. That's what I got for you. So, amen. Praise God. Amen. It's good. It's good. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you that you teach us how to function in this, how to operate in this, Lord. I, I thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. We can't do this on our own. What I think of this is a revelation. This is not really even something that man can teach. And I thank you, Lord, that as, as, as your people get in this environment, whether they're here personally or they're, on, they're online and they're watching or they're listening, Lord, I just thank you. Spirit of God, we acknowledge you. You are the teacher. And I thank you that you cause this to be revelation in us, Lord. Help us to see this, that the light wouldn't just shine to us, but the light would shine through us, Lord, and that the path of the righteous is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Lord, we thank you for revelations of Jesus. Thank you that you give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Well, um, we are going to have cake. And you're in for a treat because it's peanut, peanut butter pie on top of cake. And uh, I love peanut butter pie. And it's good stuff. And we prayed the calories out. So just enjoy yourself. They're going to probably come down and cut that cake. Fima needs, what is it? Oh, yeah, we want to pray for me. Cool. Good. I need prayer. Pray for me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, man. Love you. Sit me down. Sit me down. Hallelujah. I'm going to try that thing on. That'll be funny. I finally got my Jesus Generation shirt. I've been waiting on it for six months. Hey, baby. Thank you. It is my birthday. Awesome. Yeah, please. I guess just let everybody come up and let's just surround Jeremiah and pray for him. If you have a word for him, then give him a word. And we just want to bless him today on his birthday. Because we're thankful for him. I'd love to pray first. Yeah, absolutely.